0: If you take the word live and you spell it backwards, what does it spell? It spells evil. On January 22nd, 1973, our Supreme Court justices took the word live and they got it backwards. And because they got it backwards and decided it was okay to murder unwanted, unborn babies in the womb, in the case Roe v. Wade, evil began to take place and it has never ended. This year alone, two million babies will be ripped apart inside the mother's womb And their body parts pulled out one piece at a time and tossed into a nearby trash can. That is pure evil. Dr. Tim LaHaye says, America has become a nation without conscience. He quotes Mother Teresa from a speech that she gave at the presidential prayer breakfast, or national prayer breakfast, in Washington, D.C., back in 1994, During the Clinton administration, she was invited to come and speak at that prayer breakfast. And as the president and his wife listened, she spoke of the work that she was trying to accomplish around the world for the poor, for the hungry, and for the homeless and the helpless. And then she said this, and I'll quote her, But I feel that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion, because it's a war against the child. A direct killing of the innocent child, murdered by the mother herself. And if we accept that a mother can kill even her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? And she went on to challenge those who were attending that prayer breakfast by saying this, If we'll love others as God loves us, then America can become a sign of peace for the world. From here, meaning America, a sign of care for the weakest of the weak. The unborn child must go out to the world. If you become a burning light of justice and peace in the world, then really you will be true to what the founders of this country stood for, this Mother Teresa. What an awkward moment for our president, then-president Clinton, and his wife, who have been voices for killing babies in the womb, promoting it for killing babies in the womb, promoting millions millions upon millions of dollars going to Planned Parenthood, which advertises on planning your family in the name of killing babies. What an awkward moment that must have been and maybe an awkward moment for some of you here today because your thoughts and views may differ from what I'm about to share with you from God's word, but I want you to know God's heart when it comes to the matter of life. So open your Bibles, Psalm 139, and he says, beginning in verse 13, for you, talking to God, for you formed my inward parts, The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. How great is the sum of God's thoughts toward you and toward me. God loves us. How deep is His love for us? He loves us no matter what. How wide. We cannot sin enough that God cannot forgive us of our sin if we'll just turn to Him. His love is endless. It is infinite. And so are his thoughts. He has good thoughts toward us. I want you to know, first of all, if you're a note taker, here's your first note. I want you to know from the scriptures we learn that life is sacred from conception until its natural end. Two living things that God has given mankind for the creation of life. To the females, he has given eggs. To the males, he has given sperm production. And both the eggs and the sperm are living They're alive. They're not dead. They are alive. And when a living sperm meets a living egg, it is called conception. And it produces a cell. And that cell is produced and it's also living and it contains our DNA. That cell divides. Then those cells divide and those cells divide and divide and divide and produce millions of living cells which develop into organs, Skin tissue, skin tissues of different kinds, fingers, noses, ears, and so on. All of this happens so quietly, so unnoticed, seemingly, as if it were being done in secret. But I want you to know, it is no secret to God. It is not happening without His notice. God is the great Creator He's the one forming these inward parts, these organs, our skeletal system, our nervous system, which is just amazing. God is the one who forms every tiny part. In verse 15, the psalmist says, my frame was not hidden from you. He said, when I was made in secret. And then I go into verse 16, he says, your eyes saw my substance before I was formed. Your eyes, O oh Lord... You saw my fingers, you saw my toes, you saw my nose, my eyes, my feet, you saw my limbs, you saw me before those things were being formed, and in your book, he says, they were written. You know, God knows about every life before it comes into being, even if that life begins, listen to me, even if a life begins as a result of a sin, God knows that life. Before that life has a fingertip, God knows. From the moment of its conception, even before, God knows the lives that will come into being. From the moment of conception. He said, in your book, they were written. That is just an amazing thing. He knows about each life before a woman knows for sure that she's pregnant. There comes a time where a woman will say, something's going on here. I think I'm pregnant, Right? And you know that feeling you got? Things begin to change in your body and, and things begin to take place. And, and what what's happening? Your body's getting ready to carry a child. And so everything begins to change. Us men, we don't understand that. See, we have to read about it or, or find out the hard way. We have to listen to you tell us about what's going on. And usually it's not very friendly conversation, see? Because we just don't understand all this stuff. But you ladies understand, don't you? that there's a change that begins to take place. But did you know before you knew, before you even felt that a change was taking place in your body, God knew. God knows from the moment of conception. He knows who will conceive and when they'll conceive. God knows. Now he says he writes them down in a book called The Book of Life. Moses talks about The Book of Life. It's the book of all the lives conceived. Not to be confused with the Lamb's book of life. See, that's the second book that we read about in Scripture. The Lamb's book of life are all the names written down, the Bible says, of everyone who's given their heart to Christ and turned to Him by faith. Every born-again person's name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus is the Lamb. But here, this book is called the book of life, a record in heaven of all those who have life, all those who are conceived in the womb. Before a baby's arms and legs begin to form, I said God acknowledges it as a life, not as a mass of tissue as some would like to say. It is a life. Dr. Bernard Nathanson was an obstetrician and professor at Cornwell University Medical School and he became the director of the first abortion clinic in America. He supervised and performed over 60,000 abortions. In just the first 18 months after conception, he would do these abortions. After the first sonogram machine was developed, however, and he was able to see the formation, the the formative stages of life in the womb, he took a step back, he resigned his position as an abortionist doctor, and he became a spokesperson for the life of the unborn. He said, I see life in that womb... I didn't know, I didn't realize how in control God really is of life. I'm not doing this anymore. He stepped back. He said, I'm done with it. Now he speaks for the unborn, he said. I'm going to speak for the unborn. You might say, well, the point that life actually begins is a matter of political opinion. Oh, no, it's not, friend. It's a spiritual opinion. It is a spiritual matter. God doesn't see it that way. It's not about... Right. It's not about Roe versus Wade. God said there's not to be any other opinion. I create life and I know life before the parts are formed. It's a spiritual decision. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, God spoke through Jeremiah. He says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you began to have these body parts, I knew you, Jeremiah. And I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. You know what that tells me about God? He has a plan. For the child in the womb, from conception on, he has a plan. He knew Jeremiah. He said, I've already got a plan for you. I'm ordaining you that you would go preach to the nations about God. He had a plan for Jeremiah before he ever had toes and fingers. God's the author of life and he has a plan for every life. Therefore, life is sacred from its conception until its natural end. Number two, a preborn life bears the image and likeness of God. I love what Genesis says, chapter 1, verse 27. It says, God created man in his, image, in his own image. God created man in his likeness. He said to the Lord Jesus, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity is there, and he said, let us make man in our own image. Then verse 27 gives a record of it. God created man in his own image and in his likeness. Male and female, he created them. God didn't make any mistakes. There's no identity crisis here. Theologian John Stott says, man is a unique creation, the object of God's loving care in both creation and redemption. He goes on to say, the reason the Bible forbids the taking of human life, except judicially, is that it is the life of a human being with a divine likeness. Because human life bears God's image, it is sacred. Now, we've all grown up in somewhat of a humanist culture. Uh, With a humanist viewpoint, pressing in on us, coming in our textbooks, growing, ever growing, coming in the mindset of those that we're around, and coming from our government. A humanistic mindset. It does not view human life as being sacred and ordained by God. It doesn't view human life as bearing the mark of our Creator because of this, it places human beings on the same plane as animals. I was watching television the other day, and I, I can't remember if it was the girls or you, Crystal, were seated there, and we were watching. And oh, it was one of those sad patty-poo stories about this little puppy dog. He needs adoption. And some of you are going to throw sticks at me, aren't you? He needs adoption. He needs a home. Don't let this happen. Don't let these dogs go without a loving family. And I said, I wonder if the next commercial coming up will show a baby needing to be adopted. I wonder if the next commercial coming up will show a mother who feels she doesn't want this child, but she wants somebody. So she can give the birth of the child and want somebody to take that child and nurture that child. No, that commercial didn't come up. It stopped right there and went on to something else. Probably beer or sports or, or something, football or something else. That commercial never came up. Why? Because we have in our culture a humanistic view that says humans and animals are on the same plane. I want you to know if you go out here and you dispose of a cat in an improper way, you will go to jail. You go out and you go to an abortion clinic and let them kill a baby, you'll not go to jail. People will applaud you for it. Listen to what Genesis 9-6 says. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. Exodus 20, thou shalt not kill. That means murder. That means murder. It doesn't mean don't go to war and fight against evil. As some try to twist try to twist it mean. It says don't shed innocent blood. Don't murder. Proverbs 6:17 tells us that God hates hands that shed innocent blood. Exodus 21:22 A penalty was to be imposed on... You got these men out there and they get into a a brawl and they're, they're fighting and they bump into a woman and cause her to go and give birth prematurely. Exodus 21 verse 22 says that a penalty was to be imposed on those men. Why? Because they hurt a pregnant woman. They caused this to happen prematurely. There was favor given to the unborn. Life in the womb was seen as precious. We need to get back to seeing as precious life in the womb. So let me tell you this. Hate me or love me, I do not care. I'm going to stand on the Word of God. To be pro-choice today, to be pro-choice instead of pro-life, goes against the moral fiber of God's being because God values the life of the unborn. It is not a political matter. It is a spiritual matter. It is a biblical matter. In fact, it's not even called pro-choice as much as it is being called this, women's health. Do you know that when Hillary ran? It was about standing up for women's health. Oh, and the women said, yeah, I'm for women's health. No, that's not what she meant. Pro-choice, abortion. That's what she meant. God is pro-life. Why then has abortion been legalized in our country? Well, it's argued over women's health. Yet 1% of pregnant women encounter serious health issues during pregnancy and rarely any life-threatening complications. 1%. 97% of abortions are made, conducted, performed out of convenience only. 97%. Christian-based pregnancy centers such as Heartbeat Crisis Center know that most every pregnant mother who is considering an abortion, if they could just see on sonogram their unborn child in the womb, they would change their mind. Why? Because when they see it with their eyes, they recognize this is a life. This life has been created in my womb. And they recognize the awesomeness of that and they can see how it bears the image of its designer. Holy God. So what does God want? Here it is. Be a rescuer and a voice for the helpless. Proverbs chapter 24, 11 and 12 calls for us to rescue and protect the helpless. The Bible says who are being led to the slaughter. Led to the slaughter. Helpless. Protect them. Be the voice for them. Most of you might not recognize the name Irina Sandler. Irina Sandler died May 12, 2008 at the age of 98 in Warsaw, Poland. I'm going to tell you about Irina Sandler. During World War II, she had applied to go to work in the Warsaw Ghetto as a plumbing slash sewer specialist. Plumber, sewer, didn't matter to her. (laughs) But that's what she applied as. She was a plumber, sewer, specialist. She didn't care about plumbing. She cared about people. As the Nazis were coming to kill all of the Jews, she used her toolbox to smuggle Jewish infants out of the area. For the larger children, she kept a supply of burlap sacks in the back end of her truck. She trained her dog to bark whenever the Nazis stopped her at the checkpoints leading in and out of the ghetto in order to cover up any noises those children might make in the back of her truck. And it annoyed the soldiers so they would actually push her on through. They're tired of that dog barking, get her on through, get her on through. In all, she managed to smuggle out and save 2,500 kids and infants. But in due time, the Nazis caught her. When they caught her, they punished her by beating her. They broke her arms and her legs. And Irina, though, had kept a record of all the names of these kids that she had smuggled out, and she took that record, and she buried it in her backyard. Then when the war was over, she took the names of those children, and she worked to reunite them with their families, if their families were still alive. And those whom she could not find or their families were were killed, she placed them in foster care or helped to get them adopted. In 2007, Irina was one of the people being considered to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. But in the end, she wasn't chosen. Instead, Al Gore won the award for a slideshow on global warming. God has called us to be a rescuer for the unborn. God has called us to be a rescuer, not just for the unborn, for the helpless. The Bible, James, I love what James says. You want some of that old-time religion? He said, walk blameless before the Lord and take care of orphans and widows in their distress. Take care of the helpless, he said. Be a rescuer for the helpless. I thought about this and, and oh it still kind of grips me. I told Crystal, back when I went into the the ministry, I went to seminary at 32, I got out, I was 36, and I wish from the beginning I would have known and had the thought and the mindset against all this humanistic ideology that we've grown up with to promote and encourage churches in the ministry of adopting children. We spend thousands and thousands on missions, and rightly so. But we can spend the same amount of money helping couples adopt children. Good couples, good families, Christian families adopt children. That is a mission field. That's a mission field. Help them pay their fees. A couple wanting to adopt can pay 10000 to $30,000 in fees. That's enormous. Who can do that? Not very many couples I know. We could be a voice for the unborn as well as for the old. A voice for the old as well. Helping people to die with dignity at the end of their life. Not counting them off. Not cutting off their health care. Not saying, well, this life is not worth it. We've got to save some money here. So we're sorry. We've got to drop you. Like a dropped call. Gone. That's what's happening to older people too. You see... Valuing life is not just about babies. It's about all of life. We are to live our lives every day as if life matters. And we're to help others live every day. We're to value their life just as we value our own lives. I want to show you a video of a guy. I've shown this video before. It's been seven or eight years where it showed all the different things he does. I mean, he swims and he goes to all these schools. He does such an array of things with his ministry. His name is Nick Vujicic. You can look him up online if you want to look him up on just NIC, put in Nick. Let's watch it. And my parents had no idea that I was going to be born without arms or legs. I was the only one that I ever saw without limbs.
1: My faith in Jesus Christ was sealed after seven years of wondering why answered me very clearly through John chapter 9 and I gave my life to Jesus at 15 after reading about how he came across a man who was born blind and I'm like hey hold on a second this is interesting (laughs) and no one knew why he was born that way I'm like perfect so I read on and in verse 3 of the ninth chapter Jesus said it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him I'm like, wow, God, if you had a plan for the blind man, you do have a plan for me. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus. Youth groups were starting to call me. Churches were starting to call me. Opportunities were opening up everywhere for me to share my testimony. I was speaking in front of 300 sophomore public high school students. Three minutes into it, after girls were crying. One girl in the middle of the room started weeping. She put up her hand and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can I come up there and give you a hug? In front of everyone, she came and she hugged me. She cried on my shoulder and whispered in my ear, no one's ever told me that they love me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. I couldn't believe it. it changed my life. At that moment, I knew God was ministering to her through me. It's not by my speech or my power, it was God. And my heart was ignited with a passion. And it was an awesome day to see one soul transformed forever. That was when I knew I was called to be a worldwide man. 44 countries on 6 continents. From university campuses, 40,000 students in China, to India, where we're talking as set slaves, to crowds in the jungle of India, 110,000 people, down to Indonesia, and all of Southeast Asia, to speaking at congresses of nations like Colombia and Costa Rica where you see the leaders of that nation commit that country to the Lord Jesus (coughs) to Korea and speaking to the next generation about depression and suicide and to Eastern Europe where we did Serbia, Slovenia and Croatia and then doors in the Middle East the message of hope was spread throughout the whole Arab world that is God and we know We've just begun. By the grace of God, we have seen face-to-face a half a million souls say yes to Jesus and be plugged into a local church. As crazy as it sounds, our goal at Life Without Limbs Ministry is to preach to every single soul on the planet. Seven billion people. God is good.
0: So you can Google life without limbs and it'll just bring you all kinds of YouTube videos up to see what this guy's doing through the years. And I first stumbled on some of his stuff more than 10 years ago and just was at all. He grew up in the home of a pastor and just struggled with the fact that he had no arms or legs, even as early as the age of eight, wanted to commit suicide. But uh, here's my question. That video is, I think, about two years old. Half a million souls won to Christ that have been plugged into a local church. There's many more than that that have been saved, I'm sure. What if parents said, this is inconvenient. This is going to cost money. We're struggling to make ends meet. Let's, let's, don't, let's don't bear this child. Let's abort this baby. What if the parents had said that? I'm telling you, life is sacred from conception to its natural end. And God has a purpose for every life under heaven. Every life is valuable. We're to live to our God-given potential. And we're to let others live to their God-given potential. We're to promote life. And we're to help ensure life. Now, there may be some who are here who struggle with a sermon like this. You say, I made that mistake years ago. And every time that I hear this, it just breaks my heart because had I known then what I know now, I wouldn't have done it. Let me tell you, God forgives You are not hearing judgment from this pulpit today. God forgives. God's a God who loves. I'm telling you, uh, this stuff began to happen in the 70s and every woman here, old and young alike, began to hear how there was an option. There was something better. You don't have to bear this child. You don't have to lose money and have to medical bills and all that. And they made it so comforting until it became an epidemic in our country. It is the culture. But I'm here to give you a biblical worldview. I want your worldview, the way you view the world, to come from God's eyes. That's why I'm sharing this message. So you're not hearing judgment today. You're also hearing forgiveness. How wide is the love of God? How wide is His forgiveness? It's from the east to the west. How deep is it? It's deep. So deep you can't reach it. How high is God? We can't go to the highest mountain and escape the love of God. He sees us. He knows us. He's known us from the time we were conceived, even before we were conceived. So he loves you, and he will forgive. So don't hear that in this message. That'd be the old Satan beating up on you. That's not what it's about. It's about saying, we're going to speak for the unborn, and we're going to promote life, because God is the author and finisher of life.